Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. 150 episodes. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Nice round number. It's very cool. I can't believe we've been doing this for 150 episodes. Like, seriously? I know. It only took us 150 episodes to get any good. Well, that's still up to uh, our listeners, I guess. I feel like we finally got it. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place, there's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we're talking about transitions. What's really interesting about the story you're about to hear is that we realize that it doesn't really have a solid No, it has a solid ending, but it's not like an A to B kind of ending. And it made us both think like, huh, maybe we're all just transitioning all the time. So the story is really honest that way. Today on our show, we bring you a story by Ariane Malfay. Ariane is a Belgian journalism student with a passion for writing. You guys, she's all the way in Belgium. (laughs) I love it. I love when you think like somebody in Belgium is like so far away. Like we live in the United States and think that the whole world revolves revolves around us. I mean, we're so stupid. She is like six hours ahead of us. That's cool. But how did we get her? I think it was Terry Barr who recommended her or that she send her story into us. Right. And, and Terry Barr was the star of episode 146. So thank you, Terry Barr, for recommending Ariane to our show. Uh, Ariane writes mainly nonfiction and poetry, but loves to experiment with other genres as well. So now she's experimenting with essay. Damn. We'll be back with Ariane's story after the break. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time, I host First Draft. It's a class... Kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. Up next is Ariane Malfay reading her story, The Creation of Flesh. Seven years ago, the doctors cut open my body and sculptured a vagina between my legs. 
I'm newly 19 when they roll me through the long hallway on squealing wheels. I'm holding my gaze to the ceiling, where fluorescent lamps pass me one every few meters, accelerating my nerves. I lean onto the stiff white pillow behind me and eat the minutes away by staring at the clock. 9.15 a.m. I tell myself not to cry, but feel my eyes fill up with tears anyway. I'm nervous. I've never been really sick. Never spent one night at the hospital. Never broken any of the 206 bones that hang my body on its rack. A group of doctors and nurses appear. I recognize the last person to approach the bed. Professor Monstry, the famous plastic surgeon I've had multiple appointments with over the last four years. His name, almost pronounced as Monster, always felt ironic to me. He's drawing lines and crosses all over my body, assigning where to cut, where to take, and where to build. Without even noticing the tears on my cheeks, the doctors leave, and I'm alone again, my tears mixing with the black markings across my chest. What was I supposed to do with the body I didn't want? I felt like this from the moment I was born, a girl trapped in a male body. I've evolved into this, and just like every other living thing, I follow Darwin's survival of the fittest. I adapted to my surroundings in order to stay alive. The other option would have been simply not existing at all. A few minutes later, I'm rolled into the operating room. When you were a child, did you ever play the game I see, I see what you can't see to pass the time over long car rides? I did. Well, I see, I see what you can't see. I see a scared woman in a boy's body, lying on a single bed in the bright lights, hoping this surgery makes her feel whole. I see shimmering metal tools, laying on a table needed to remove contradictionary parts. I see the anesthetologist preparing to put me to sleep for eight hours. I look into her eyes. I listen to her soothing voice. She asks me questions, but I can't really hear them. I breathe in the gas like I'm told and count backwards. Ten. Nine. Eight. White. Seven. Black. Six. The first thing I remember after the surgery is my parents smiling down on me. My mom has her cool hand on my glowing forehead. My father is standing at the end of the bed, taking his usual distance. The days after are a blur, but on the sixth day in the healing process, I'm able to take my first steps towards the bathroom, towards the wall-sized mirror. My eyes are sunken. My ribs are protruding. My legs are trembling. Pale white skin is laced with black thread, holding pieces of blue, purple, swollen flesh together. There's blood, almost black, flaking around new body parts. And down there, everything is flat. Everything is gone. What have I done? The depression I faced as a teenager dealing with this gender dysphoria seemed fixable once I got the operation. There was an end date to the suffering. I would feel whole. Now seeing myself all broken and put back together, I realize the suffering isn't over. I stare into the hospital mirror again and at my fingers discover the newness of what I see. I'm shaking. My skin feels foreign. My breasts feel hard. I'm reminded of a Willem Lembrook statue I once saw in the MoMA in New York City. There, I held my palm on the naked marble girl's breasts like many before me had done noticeable from the discolored area around her chest. She was called the kneeling woman. I fall to my knees too.
The darkness that overcomes me post-surgery is darker than it had ever been before. People around me were puzzled. Isn't this what you wanted all along? They admired the creation, like puzzle pieces put together to create an image of a woman. But in every puzzle, if you look closely, you'll see the areas where the pieces meet. Black cracks, fragments of the real thing. I'm a woman put together with pieces stitched with a black thread. And although I look like a woman, I feel bitter to the core. I'm not the tabula rasa, the blank sheet I thought I'd become. No new girl reborn. I'm still me, my body, only modified, reshaped, and yes, perhaps improved. It's still my mind, confused by what it did to get here. And so, in the aftermath of my transformation, I questioned all I was and all I had become. Why did I do this if I will never truly realize how the female mind works? If I will never feel the softness of naturally occurring breasts or the pain of a menstrual cycle? If I will never feel life growing inside my belly? Even Professor Monstry, who praised me as one of his finest creations, dismissed my dilemma using words as petite and delicate, and then assured me of who I was and who I am. Look at you. You're so feminine. Your features don't show any sign of the other sex. How can someone so beautiful have these issues? Thank you, doctor, is all I owed him. Now I'm a 25-year-old human and a 7-year-old woman. Although on some days it feels like I'm living inside something that's not my own, I've slowly learned to accept this body. It started with being able to express myself in looks and clothing. Sexuality was also a big factor. Being able to experience sex as a female opened up a whole new world for me. I felt sexy, passionate, admired and loved. And finally, I'm starting to see the transformation my body underwent as an extension of myself. I, I'm blown away. I am blown away by this story. Yeah. And her, and her reading of it it's so emotional and so ah vulnerable i know i agree i feel the same way it was very heartfelt is what was really cool it's like i felt like i was waking up in the room with her i felt like i was transitioning along with her which was really cool i know and the story took turns that i wasn't expecting I did not expect her to look in the mirror and feel worse, to feel the darkness that she described. Did you? No, no, I did not. I just, I feel very, very thankful that she wrote the story and, um, and is trusting us with it. Let's talk about some of the things that she did really well. Right from the beginning, I felt her fear she describes how she'd never been in the hospital before. And I remember talking to you about this and you wanted to know why she was afraid. And I was like, no, 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 no. She's afraid because she's about to go into surgery. For me, it was exactly all I needed. She was just like describing, like looking at the ceiling and. Well, back up a second, back up a second to the very first line. Seven years ago, the doctors cut open my body and sculpt a bit of a vagina between my legs. So she grounds us right away. She's not trying to 
spring it on us later. Like we get all the information right at top. So we know what we're looking at. We know what we're going through. And now we're going to go on a journey with somebody. That's true. And that's a very, very, very strong first line. Uh, the doctor cut my body open and sculpted a vagina between my legs. That's that's a lot. Yeah, but I loved it. And then she tells us she was 19. Yeah. So we get a little backstory. You know, we always love to talk about the structure. I think people are struggling with that. How do I tell this story? It's a creation story. It's not just named the creation of flesh. It is a creation of story. It's a transition, but also a creation. And a lot of people have re like reckonings or rebirths or awakenings of some sort. And it could be after cancer, after divorce, after, you know, anything. And this is an excellent structure for anybody who's writing that story. That makes me think of the the more specific, the more universal. Because while most of our listeners haven't gone through this experience, most of our listeners have gone through some kind of transition and have emerged. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so she tells us exactly what she's did seven years ago. And then she tells us she was 19. And then we're at that point that that drew me in perfectly because I felt her anxiety. I felt scared for her going into surgery. And she's going into like such a big surgery. I guess every surgery is big, but. Whew. But this is not, no, every surgery, yes, although big, because you're going under whatever it is and you're hoping that whatever it is, is if it's a tumor, it's going to be gone. If it's, you right. know, eye surgery, you hope you look better, all those kind of things. But this person is going to wake up different, like a whole nother person. I think that's just amazing. That's trust to put into somebody. That's a huge decision. All right. So her, her surgery is bigger than other surgeries. So she's about to go into this enormous surgery. And then she tells us why. What was I supposed to do with a body I didn't want? God. I know. I know. And then she kind of even raises the stakes more right there. She says what she did was she adapted because her only other choice was not to exist at all. I was like, I got chills. You know, like she's, she really, she really convinced me that she really felt like she had no choice. This is where this narrator could have gone off on a tangent and gone in a totally different direction. But this is what the narrator has to decide when they're writing an essay, a short 1100 or 1200 word essay, like, okay, now am I going to go and tell the, tell how I felt and what it growing up until this point and go off and sidetrack us, even though it's really pertinent and informative information, but she just makes the decision to say, this is how I felt and keeps moving forward with the surgery. Cause that is what we're writing about here. True. She could have talked about how she adapted, but she didn't. She just said she did. And that was enough. Yeah. That was totally enough. Then she's counting backwards. Why did she say 10, 9, 8, 7, white, black, white. 6? Because I think it's when you're there, that's what you see. Like as you're going under, you see like first it's like bright, nothing else. You can't, because I mean, I, I remember this when I was going under many surgeries is that they're telling you to count backward and then you kind of, everything fades and all you see is like a white light, like kind of thing. And then it just goes black. Yeah, it was very visual and it, I felt it. I just wondered if there was more significance that I wasn't getting. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think so. Okay. Then she um, wakes up from surgery. We get a sense of her parents. They're supportive. Her dad is distant. 
but not on, I, I felt like he was there for her. But then I was, this part really, really, really drew me in when she's looking at the wall size mirror. Mm. I just was so anxious to hear what she was going to see. And then she tells us, it's like the blood that was almost black. Everything is flat, gone. And then she's like, what have I done? And I feel the despair that she feels. It was like she thought the suffering was going to be over, but the suffering isn't over. She did such a great job talking about the statue that was on its knees, like the hard breasted statue. And then she's like, I fell on my knees too. God, Mm -hmm. God, that was so good. And I was just feeling like this sad, sad, sad. She was darker than she'd ever felt before. Bitter to the core, no new girl reborn. You know, it brought me to a place, though, where like, I think sometimes with our brains, we think everything is going to be better if only. But sometimes it just takes our mind a chance to adjust and adapt and get get into that new what they say, new normal, that overused term. But it is true. There's a lot of pain sometimes that comes with leaving that person, that thing, whatever it is behind us as we move forward. It's a I think it's a natural like process. And we see this process with her in real time, which I thought was super cool. So there's another example of like, you might not have had this exact experience, but you may have had an experience where you like move to another town. You're like, oh, if only I was living where I really wanted to live, or if only I had a boyfriend or if only, and then the reality is not what you thought. But in this case, it was so much bigger. It's so big. It was everything she's always wanted since she was a tiny kid. And now she's like, what? I'm not a new girl reborn. I'm still me. It's still my own mind. This is shit. You know? Yeah. And what about Monstry, the doctor? Very cool. Yeah. I really loved that because for him, it was a job and he was proud, like an artist. He did his job, everything, but there's no emotion in a doctor. Well, not all doctors, but especially here. Yeah. It just, I don't know if he was emotional. We didn't get that. I'm getting that there was nothing emotional. And he's like, I gave you what you wanted. What's your problem? Yeah. Look at, look at how feminine you look. I built you just so. Yeah. (sighs) But isn't that true about all of us? Like here we are going out into the world with our exterior, but there's the unfortunate interior (laughs) and the mind and everything and the heart. Mm -hmm. He built her a beautiful facade, but she still has to get used to it and learn how to be happy like all of us. Yep. And then this line I loved. Now I'm a 25-year-old human and a seven-year-old woman. So she told us at the very beginning that this happened seven years ago and now she's been a woman for seven years. She's a seven-year-old woman. That's so well said. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I thought the ending was really interesting. Your favorite thing is to talk about how hard endings are. And this ending, again, like, I don't think it was what I would have expected. She's not like, oh, and now I'm cool with my woman's body. Instead, she's like, well, now this transition, transitioning, I don't know if she calls herself trans. No. No, but that's, So interesting, but because what she lands on is she's starting to see the transformation of her body as who she is. Yeah. Being in transition is her new normal. And who knows how long that's going to last? Maybe that's the rest of her life. 
And that's kind of really honest. Because it's interesting because after I read it, I was like, well, what did you do? What, how did you become? Like, how did you get to this point? But there was no real answer to that because... Oh, you mean when you guys were editing? Yeah. And you and I even talked about this too. I was like, but do you think we should see if we can press on a little bit more? Like, I want to know because we all want the map, the blueprint. Like, how do we get from point A to point B? Where is it? Right. But the reality is there isn't one. Right. We're not quite yet at point B. I don't even know if we're ever going to get to point B. Like, are we ever going to get to point A? For, like to point B, we're all trying to make our way towards this ideal place that we think we should get to. And there's really no map. The how to's only get you through to tomorrow or like to the point where this person is. But maybe you're not even at the end yet. Right. No one's at the end yet. No, no one's at the end yet. And But this specifically in this story, she says, I'm learning to live inside something that's not my own. I'm learning to accept this body. I'm starting to be able to express myself in looks and clothing. Sexuality is a factor. All that kind of stuff is, you know, that's what she does on a, on a daily basis. And I feel like all of us do that on a daily basis. We're learning to be the people we want to be. So that's why I just loved it. It's so specific, but it is 100% universal because we are all in transformation or transition. Yeah. Damn. Do you feel like there's a something that you're like always in transition with? Yeah. Getting famous. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't hard. I thought of it immediately. Like I'm always, I'm always just on the verge. But no matter how much you get published, you still don't think you've come yet. Like you haven't arrived. Is it the book? And then you get one, another one published. You got one published, tons of essays. You're all over the place. Washington Post, New York Times, like you're in, go on. You're Yeah. (laughs) Washington Post, like you're in every place you want to be. But you just want this last book, this book that you've been, you know, farming out, trying to get published forever. Well, I don't want to say forever because it hasn't been forever. It's only been seven years. Anybody else would look at you and be like, well, she got a book published. She has all this stuff. And yet you're not where you want to be. I mean, maybe like Ariane, at some point, I'll get to a point where I'm like accepting the problem for me, and it's, I, I feel like I, my issue is like so minor compared to Ariane's, but am I always going to be that woman wearing a sandwich board? Probably, probably. And I'm just, at some point, I'm just going to have to be okay with it. I am okay with it. I think that's going to be the cover of my book, Attention Whore. You're going to see a picture of me and I'm going to be wearing a sandwich board. And um, that's going to be the cover. And then like maybe it's going to be like a scene of like New York City and all these people rushing by and no one's paying attention to me. And then on the back, you'll see me in the sandwich board and I'm like desert and no one's there. I'm just standing alone in a desert with my sandwich board, like buy my book. But I feel like all authors are like that, unless you're like James Patterson or Stephen King or something like that. But I feel like everybody is hustling. True. But not everyone has this feeling, I don't think, or maybe a lot of people do of not quite having arrived. So where, where, what's yours? What's your, like, where are you in transition? Money. Oh, it's the same shit. Like, I feel like I have enough to survive. Like I'm doing just fine. You know, I can make money. Like everything's going well. I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but it's just when I plan a trip, I have to count my pennies. When I buy something, do I really need this? Like, I want to just be able to be like, yeah, here. I want to be generous. I want to be able to throw it around. I want to feel like I've made it. So I'm going to ask you the same question. If you won the lottery, would you feel like you had enough? 
No, because then I want to get published. I want all my books. Like I want everything out there. And then I want that. No, in terms of money, like let's say that you stepped on um, a bag full of cash in the park and it was like a million dollars. Would that be enough? Or would you be like, no, because now I want to buy this and this and this and this, you know? No, that would be enough. I don't care about, I mean, I would buy a new car because I would like some Bluetooth in my car and um, it's 17 years old and it's not even mine, but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I wouldn't mind being able to just buy stuff and not worry about it. But before I had kids, I did feel very happy financially. I did. I just, it wasn't spending that much. I'm not that person. Well, then your example is different because you're saying you would feel like you arrived. I'd find something new because yeah. that's who we are you know, always, but so yeah, I guess in this general example, you reach a point, but mentally, I don't know. Cause I'm not there. Maybe I wouldn't feel that way, but I think I would. But once you got your book published, would that be enough? No, I I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure. Like I'll never feel like I I've um, arrived, arrived. Do you think that's good? Maybe it's good. And maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's what keeps us moving forward and excited. Right. And enjoy the process. Exactly. Oh, that's what we've come to. And I think that's where Ariane is too, that she's like starting to see the transition. And I get the feeling happy with where she's moving in that general direction. She's become comfortable with the transition. Yeah. Thank you, Ariane Malfay for your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story and making us think. Oh, and thank you for listening. I forgot that part. For links to Ariane's work, what do we have? Do we have her website? She has a Medium account and an Instagram account. So we'll have her Medium and Instagram account in our show notes. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Andrea Askowitz. And me, Allison Langer. Audio production by Matt Kundle, Evan Serminski, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Emia. There's more writing class on our website, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. For $35 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers groups. You have the option to join Allison on Tuesdays from 12 to 1 Eastern or Zarina Fry Wednesdays 7 to 8 Eastern. You'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote if you want to. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, check out all the classes we offer on our website, writingclassradio.com. Join the community that comes together for instruction and excuse to write. And most importantly, the support of other writers who are the coolest people in the world. Yeah. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. I mean, and they've been dropping every other Wednesday for 150 episodes. I know, we're good. All right, there's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. 
Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.